On this episode, we discuss Venom. Let there be carnage. The movie that posits that Woody Harrelson was a teenager in 1996, even though he was starring in The People vs. Larry Flint in 1996. <laughs> Should a teenager make a Larry Flint movie? I don't think so, Venom. Let there be carnage. <laughs> everyone welcome to the flop house i am dan mccoy hey it's me Stuart wellington beep beep boop boop i don't have a can so elliot kalen <laughs> has to provide his own sound effects. i'd like to point out like so this is you know this is like the old stew bit of uh cracking open a beer <sighs> yeah, uh, right. before recording but now Nostalgia. that he's new fit stew mm-hmm. it's actually a waterloo black cherry sparkling water that he took out of my fridge <laughs> yeah and it's so man the i sparkling like sparkling water that defeated napoleon yeah. yeah the bubbles just going down my throat it's delicious is that are you are you filling up with bubbles because it's a special time of year mm-hmm. uh, uh it's a very special time of year that's right I want to quickly mention that this episode is being released on the final weekend of the Max Fun Drive 2022. This is the one time a year when we ask you to support our show, and we are going to give out all kinds of cool gifts if you do. If you haven't become a member yet, and you're listening to this episode on the weekend of release, stop the damn episode and go over to MaximumFun.org join to support our show and have access to a bunch of cool stuff. There you go. Mm-hmm. Sure? Now to get back to this whole Waterloo thing. Okay. Do you think I'm drinking Waterloo because uh, my last name is Wellington and Wellington was at Waterloo? Oh. <laughs> I think that has to be it, yeah, mm-hmm. as, as the that's champion of, of Waterloo. It's, yeah. That's his official title, champion of Waterloo. Now, do you think that mm-hmm. uh, that would classify as an Easter egg for this episode? <laughs> well, you pointed it out, <laughs> so it's, I mean, I think that an essential part is the audience is supposed to pick I mean, up to on be it honest, to find it. To be honest with you, and that's kind of how Easter eggs work nowadays. Is it has yeah. to be so obvious mm-hmm. that everyone in the audience gets it. I mean, it's so. like it's like I'm treating the audience like they're a little baby at an Easter egg hunt, and I'm pointing at the eggs so I don't have to <laughs> endure hours of them not finding them. <laughs> Yelling, over here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Get over here, baby. Yes, you look cute in that dress. <laughs> that's what that's what Scorpion says when he's at an Easter egg, egg, Easter egg hunt, too. He goes, Get over here, oh, baby. The <laughs> lights are glitching like my mm-hmm. old copy of uh, Mortal Kombat. It would have been better if I hadn't stumbled over my words 100,000 times. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a lot of times to stumble we barely have any more time left over in the so what do we uh do on this here podcast oh well guys well topeka is a city in kansas and Uh people have a lot of opinions about it yeah and we're here to provide a forum for their opinions pro or con about the city of topeka yeah Mm -hmm. and uh it's famous bodega yeah maybe we'll get back to our mission statement later on but for now uh, this is also a podcast where we watch a movie that was either a critical or a commercial flop and talk about it. This movie was sort of on the, on, like, it was successful. It was on the verge, critically. It was mm-hmm. more of like kind of, of middling reviews, yeah. I would say. Some people thought, eh, not bad. And some people really didn't care for it. Uh, where it will ends, we yeah. fall? It we'll ends. find out later. <laughs> if you go over to Ooh, our old good, pals, good uh, if you go over to our old pal Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. you'll see that it had a significantly <laughs> better score than its predecessor. 
Although I don't know if it necessarily deserves that, but we'll see yeah. later mm. in the episode. I mean, That's an interesting, interesting to debate prompt that I think we will have some exciting opinions about. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I am not having a stroke. I'm having trouble talking <laughs> because I woke up very early today thanks to my younger child, and I'm already all sweepy little baby now. I'm so yeah. tired. Elliot, even even though I it's about 1 p.m. Also peed in the same fountain, which was— Hard on us because <laughs> we live on different coasts, but you know we sort of. And we had hard ons, yeah, which makes it even harder to <laughs> hard pee. To very pee. painful. Yeah. Wait, really? <laughs> well, that's what that's what how we were able to pee in the same fountain, even though we're on different coasts, because like the difficulty increased the 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 power okay. of the yep. stream. More more <laughs> penis yeah. talk. We tapped into our symbiotic relationship to, yeah. <laughs> to get mm-hmm. an extra burst of strength. Uh-huh. Much like in the movie Venom, Let There Be Carnage, directed by Andy Serkis. Uh-huh. Now, you're, like, you're like the hero in an anime who just really believes in himself and then defeats the enemy <laughs> yeah. who's been yeah. training for 10,000 years. <laughs> Well, what happened was I really needed to pee, but I couldn't get the right distance to hit the urinal all the way where Dan was. And then I saw that the urinal was threatening one of my loved ones, and so it gave mm-hmm. me a burst of berserker berserker fury, berserker mm-hmm. strength that yeah. got my pee all the way there. Now, as yeah. always, I don't want. That's why they call me. That's why they call me <laughs> Wolverpeen because at any point I might go into a berserker peeing frenzy. I they do I, call you that. I think this is the second <laughs> drive episode where I've. Said, you know, like, oh, I don't want to stop all the pee talk, but uh, I did want to do a side note, which is uh, Elliot mentioned Andy Circus, of course, the uh, the actor best known for the his creator motion, of Family Circus motion capture yeah. uh, <laughs> performances uh, here uh, directing. Um, Generally the, beloved in these parts. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. Flop yeah. The, the credits for this movie was the first time that Audrey discovered that his name was not spelled like Family Circus. She was, oh. uh, it was oh. a Not real a, paradigm shift for her. Yeah, it must have been rough. Yeah, if was, anything, I mean, his name is spelled the way that the word circus probably should be spelled. Yeah, it's a more Considering accurate, how we pronounce it. phonetic mm-hmm. yeah. spelling. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but that's not the way words work a lot of the time. But anyway, so Andy Circus, I'll say this right. I'm a huge fan of his. I'm a huge fan of his uh, motion capture performances and also his non-motion capture performances. Sure. I don't know that he is the most... Uh, interesting director. He seems what, was his, to be a, what was his last one? Because this, this is his he second He did movie. like uh, something. Yeah. Was it for Netflix or whatever? Was, was, was it Mowgli or? Oh, right, 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 right. right. When he did a movie. He did a movie called Breathe, which I have not seen. Mm. Um, and then he also did, uh, yeah, Mowgli: Legend of the Jungle, which I have also mm-hmm. not seen. Uh, but he he for this movie he is a very um, workable director, I would say. Mm-hmm. Except for strangely, the motion ca- a lot of the motion capture. Carnage performing, I thought looked really cool, but yeah. the battle scenes are are hard to keep track of. They're yeah, very hectic they're a and real you know. mess. But we'll get to and, that part. And considering Carnage has an arsenal of powers that he doesn't really have in the comics either, I was always like, oh, he can do that too. I guess. All right, that's a new thing. But okay, let's get into it. So, for people who we have our live episode of Venom that we did a long time ago, you might want to go and listen to that right now. Pause. I'll let you listen to that episode. Okay, we're coming back. <laughs> that was a funny episode. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, we're back. Let's talk about the sequel, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. The movie does not begin with our titular Venom. It instead begins with the man who will become the titular Let There Be. It's 1996 <laughs> at the St. Estes Reform School, and Cletus Cassidy is a teenage inmate. He's making a little string engagement ring for his girlfriend, Frances, who's another inmate, and she says, oh, no, because of my superpowers, they're going to take me away because yeah. I have superpowers now. And the authorities come to get her. She tries to escape by using her powerful screen powers. Mm-hmm. She's like Banshee of the X-Men or uh-huh. Siren of X-Force. Or Shriek, and, the character that she is actually yeah. in 
Marvel comics. Well, it's weird to say she has shri- she has screaming powers <laughs> like Shriek, which is herself. Yeah. A bit like saying, well, "What's Plastic Man's powers?" Well, he's got powers well, like Plastic Man. Yeah, I mean, she has her she is her own woman, is what I'm saying. I don't think we need to compare. No, but, but when you, true. usually when you're trying to give someone an idea of a character they may not be aware uh, that's true. of, you compare yeah. them to other characters. Uh, no, right. It's a we bit both... like it's like. It's like why you don't open a dictionary and it says machine, <laughs> noun, a machine. Like, great, that's not helpful. Let's let's just say we both make a penguin, good point. Noun, a bird very along. much like a penguin. In fact, exactly like. Uh-huh. So anyway, uh, the authorities. Now the authorities I do have to point to take- out. I do have to point out. It might be a little weird for you, mm. but Cletus Cassidy here is played by a teenager, but he has a voice of Woody Harrelson, which is strange for yes, me. <laughs> it's such a it's such a funny choice that they are. The movie is really running with the idea that Woody Harrelson is in his forties now, as opposed. Entering his sixties because they try to young him up a little bit. They put his mouth in a teenager's, and as it's, it's. I recorded a couple different intros for this episode, so I don't. It's the one Alex used, but one of them I point out that in 1996, Woody Harrelson had already been on Cheers for years. Cheers for years, also the name of his memoir at the Mm -hmm. time, and was uh, and was the star of The People versus Larry Flint, and had already been in like White Men Can't Jump and things like that, right? So like in the Cowboy Way, I think. So by this point, 1996. Woody Harrelson was already a movie star. He was not a teenager. Yeah. So it seems weird. Why didn't they just push it back to when he was well, actually they, a teenager? They seem to be trying to match his age to that of Naomi Harris, uh, who plays uh, Shriek or whoever for, I don't remember her character's name, but like. The, and also similar to the age of Tom Hardy, who's playing. Yeah. So yeah. what they're doing is they're solving the uh, frequent problem of mismatched ages, like an older actor and a younger actress, by just lying about the age of the actor rather than changing it to make it age and appropriate. Now, does having him wear a red wig make his face look younger? No. Uh, I am disappointed. I got to say that they're not, he's not wearing the goofy ass red wig, wig from, yeah. <laughs> from the first movie. The first movie when we saw him. Mm-hmm. Well, the first movie, he's wearing hair that looks like the character from the comics. The mm-hmm. character from the comics, Cletus Cassidy, has a huge curly mop of hair. And so they did that in the in the first movie when they showed him at the end. And in this one, I think they realized he would look <laughs> ridiculous. Would like Ronald McDonald. Like the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Or like Carrot Top's uncle who lives in a van or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, you know, you don't want that. So anyway, she uses her scream powers much like the character Shriek you're familiar <laughs> with. Uh, and uh, we get a shot, a close-up of the police officer who's escorting her's name tag because that's a hint that that's going to be an important character later. Uh-huh. And he, the, but the cop shoots her and she is taken away to Ravencroft Asylum, which is a location mm. from the comics. Uh, let's now bef- before we go to the present day. Do you guys have any associations beforehand with the character Carnage? I'm curious about this. Um, yeah, What's yeah, your yeah. So, about Carnage. Uh, I remember the issue where the symbiote uh, came and broke Eddie Brock out of prison and squirted out a little baby uh-huh. symbiote, and you're like, "That's gonna a little be baby important. snot." Yeah, there's like a little, uh, there's like a little teaser there, and then I remember, I feel like I remember reading the first arc. Uh, the first Carnage arc. It was where, like a three-parter. Carnage yep. comes out. Spider-Man Mark, has Mark to go Bagley to the desert island. Did the art. Yeah, Mark Bagley's drawing. David McElhaney was the author, writer still at the time. And Spider-Man, he's like, I can't defeat Carnage on my own. And Venom at this point believes he has killed Spider-Man and is living alone on a jungle yeah. island by yeah. himself because in perfect peace because he killed Spider-Man. And Spider-Man shows up with the Human Torch because the Human Torch can help him fight Venom uh-huh. and says, Venom, I need your help. Why the Human Torch doesn't help Spider-Man fight Carnage? Because he's not as popular. Yeah. People love yeah. Venom. And I will yeah. say, when I was I – was, this was right around the time I was really getting into comics, and I loved Venom. Venom was a character I really yeah, thought great. was amazing. And Carnage I never really cared for because it was like they were thought – they said, 
Venom's so popular, we need to make him into a hero. So we'll bring in an even worse Venom. Yeah. And he'll be like a 100%. cackling, crazy serial killer. Yeah, And I not a fan. don't remember the timeline, but this might have been around the time Natural Born Killers came out. And, like, he's very similar to Woody Harrelson's character in that movie. Yeah. And so he's, he doesn't have much of a personality beyond being, like, just a, a psycho serial killer. And uh, I never found it that interesting. But and, that didn't so, stop me from buying all 14 parts of the Maximum Carnage storyline. Well, that, that was the thing. Like, from. after that initial introduction, I was like, this character is not for me. I am uninterested. And then, but then since then, he 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 became much more popular, had a whole arc. And then there were many other Venom symbiote characters, right? Yes. And other people have worn the Carnage symbiote. Uh, and Car- Carnage, Cletus Cassidy has gone on to have more adventures. Uh and his own books. There was a there was a series that I think Jerry Conway wrote that was a horror series where some people are trying to track down Carnage and stop him, which was really – before he can get a hold of the book of the dark hold and open up some kind of mystic portal or whatever. Seems, but seems that was great. Pretty, it was a really good series. It was actually really good. But uh, so you're dealing with characters who in the comics – and this was kind of the problem I have with the first Venom. They are defined by their relationship with Spider-Man. Spider-Man yeah. is the greatest guy who ever lived. Venom is a guy who thinks he is a hero but is a psychotic killer. And Carnage is a psychotic killer who knows he's a psychotic killer and revels in it. And so they're all on this sliding scale of morality. And that it feels like that was kind of thrown off for me in this movie when you don't have the Spider-Man character to anchor it. You just have Venom who is a, a monster attached yeah. to a loser. And Carnage, who is a psycho monster attached no, to a psycho killer. I got like this is it, this is why I find the Sony corner of the Marvel universe so baffling because they are building this uh, you know Spider Man without Spider Man uh, zone for themselves, but they're all yeah these villainous characters. And look, I like a good anti-hero but not really in this type of movie like i don't know like like this movie these sorts of movies traffic in such broad strokes that then making our hero someone who like occasionally bites people's heads off bugs me in a way that like if it was a, a little bit more of a serious movie i i could you know get on board with okay like this is a complex character you know uh yeah well and this movie kilter. is it's very it feels very like flat ideologically and morally and character-wise in the way that 80s action movies were and, like, early 90s action movies. Yeah. And so this movie gives off, and in some ways that could be good, but this one, it, it felt like it gave off an antiquated vibe to me. And also the plot is incredibly linear. Like, there's no there's no twist <laughs> in it. It's exactly yeah. the... It feels like this is a movie that was a direct-to-video sequel but with a bigger budget. Anyway, well, we'll keep going. Present day. Shriek is still in her soundproof cell. You remember her. She's kind of like Shriek. And the mean lady in charge of the asylum, Ravencroft, she gives her newspaper with an article by Eddie Brock about Cletus saying he's a convicted serial killer and now played by Woody Harrelson. The title, the headline doesn't say convicted serial killer now played by Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah. It just says like Cletus Cassidy convicted yeah, killer. We, we've uh, said the word, I just, we said Cletus several times and I have to say that being unfamiliar with Carnage, I didn't give my history because, like, there wasn't any. I don't have history with the character Carnage. Being unfamiliar, uh-huh. like, the first time someone said Cletus in this movie, I said, did they say Cletus? <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's also part of the, part of the like, this is a not a well-put-together character originally. Like, Cle- they gave him the name Cletus Casty because he's supposed to be, like, a southern hillbilly, like, mm. kind of ignorant freak killer. Like, he's supposed to be, like, a deliverance-type white trash killer. A slack-jawed yokel, if you will. Yeah. Exactly. Which is, uh, it's kind of weird that he shared a prison cell with Eddie Brock, right? <laughs> well, they were both on, tr- I mean, they had both had been, I don't remember if Eddie had been convicted, but like they're both murderers, 
you know. That's true. I don't know why Cletus was in a New York area jail cell. That's a good question. But who knows? He committed the crime somewhere. But they, uh, in the eyes of the law, Venom is just mm-hmm. as, is in many ways just as bad. Even though Venom thinks he's a hero, so, he kills people left and right. Wait, hold know? on. Back up. So in the comics they shared a jail cell or do they have like how do they know each other in this world cuz i like so the movie the, does so not make it very clear i don't think no that's not in the in the in the comics so in the comics Eddie Brock and Cletus there's a period where Eddie lost his venom symbiote and yeah. the mm-hmm. two and he and Cletus Cassidy are in a jail cell together Eddie Brock if he had the symbiote would of course be at the vault the marvel super prison later superseded by the raft and then by that weird prison in the negative zone uh that i guess they were running without Annihilus knowing it was there cuz i don't think he would be that into it but anyway he's the ruler of the negative zone of course yeah, uh, no, second rulers like Blastar the living bombers stuff to but anyway what I asked. <laughs> but uh, so so Eddie Brock and Cletus Cassidy were cellmates. The Venom symbiote came and came back to Eddie and he broke out of jail and mm. left behind a little piece of himself. I don't know why Cletus didn't escape at that moment too, <laughs> but apparently he's, he hung around in the jail cell and waited for a later date to escape. But uh, the so here, so they do, they know each other in the comics and they hate each other. They didn't, mm. they never liked each other. They didn't like each other as cellmates. Cletus is first introduced complaining that Eddie is making too much noise by doing clap push-ups. There's push-ups <laughs> where you like push yourself up and clap and then land again. I can only do like tough. I can only do like one or two of those. They're really hard. Okay, yeah, right. I think I can do about two and then I fall over and I die. But but Eddie <laughs> yeah. can do a lot of those because he's super strong. Even without and, a symbiote, uh, he, it's crazy. Yeah, and so they don't like each other. But here, Cletus Cassidy feels this connection to Eddie even before they both have symbiotes. That is, yeah, it's never really made entirely clear why. So let's explain yeah. that. So Cletus, he demands to be interviewed by Eddie, uh, and Eddie is struggling to control the Venom symbiote. Cletus is in jail. He's on death row. He wants – at San Quentin. He wants to be interviewed by Eddie, and Eddie is like always arguing with the Venom symbiote, which lives in his body most of the time. And Venom is mad that Eddie uh, screwed things up with his girlfriend Anne in the first movie Anne, uh, and left him for that doctor. And Eddie and Venom argue a lot, and Venom makes a lot of like – modern culture references and a lot of off-color swearing remarks and he's and he's basically like it's basically alf he's basically a violent version yeah, of alf yeah. like he's an alien <laughs> who lives in a guy's house he has to yep, hide he's an alien he, life he, and, form. Then he'll, and then he'll say things and he'll be like i have these two pet chickens their names are sunny and share and it's like come on dude like he's he's a pop culture loving alien like he's alf he eats weird <laughs> things he's alf now, you can't show him to the neighbors he's alf like you're, you're telling yeah, he's you're, alf. <laughs> this explanation uh, is 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 uh, confirming for me why this is the part of the movie by far that I enjoyed the yes. most. Like all <laughs> of it's like, like if Alf was a monster, yeah, all of yeah. the wacky like monster uh, sharing a, 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 a not only an apartment but a body uh, stuff in the movie yeah. is the stuff that I like the most. And as soon as well, the movie starts so- remembering that it has a plot, I'm like, I'm checking out of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I thought I would feel that way, but so clearly. The first movie, and I think uh, Stuart was was uh, was hinting this. The first movie is a relatively straightforward movie, but there's a little. Every now and then, Tom Hardy goes a little nuts, and mm. and it's a little funny. We all go a little and mad. Clearly, sometimes. that's what. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I, I'm mad. You're mad. We're all mad here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and. Uh, Clearly, that's what audiences reacted to and responded to in the first yeah. movie. And so they said, let's amp it up. In the second movie, we'll go even farther. And I think they went too far. To the point, the that, where the to the point that Tom Hardy gets a screenwriting credit on this or a story credit. Oh, oh I would because I think he really 
in I mean, Tom Hardy loves this character, it seems like. They, it, like Frank Langella and Skeletor, Tom Hardy took this character yeah. <laughs> that could have been a paycheck and really invested himself in it. And he yeah. loves doing both voices. Yeah. And so, but I, by the by the time that the Venom symbiote is making him a goofy breakfast while singing Let's Call the Whole Thing Off, I was like, this movie has gone a little too far in that direction for <laughs> no, me. No, well, give, what I also like is more, baby. There's moments where the— <laughs> I mean, maybe if this was like a Peter Jackson, one of Peter <laughs> yeah. Jackson's early movies, I'd be like, go for it, go for it. But, well, and it's, it's interesting because there's moments when the symbiote takes over Eddie's body and has some pretty pretty precise control of things, mm-hmm. like can yes. do some pretty delicate work. But then there's other times where it's like, I'm going to make breakfast and break everything. It's true that he, se- yeah, he <laughs> yeah, seems to have a true. better control over Eddie's body than his own body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Strange. Well, you know how maybe it is sometimes try, maybe when you he went to a clown college. He's doing <laughs> classical clown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, and, or, there's those times when there's times when your your own body feels like this clumsy apparatus, but when mm. you're bringing pleasure to a lover, suddenly you're uh, more in sync with their body yeah, and you understand their body more turn. than your own. And I think that's what this is about. <laughs> anyway, Eddie goes to visit Cletus at San Quentin and Cletus is like, if you deliver a message for me, if you get this message out to the world, I'll give you my exclusive life story. And no, it's one of those things where this deal doesn't seem to matter because Venom notices a bunch of like creepy carvings and graffiti in, on the walls of Carnage's cell. He goes back home. He uses Eddie's body to redraw all of them. And somehow they use those as clues to figure out that Carnage was buried. Cletus yeah. was burying his bodies at Redondo Beach. And mm-hmm. so Carnage got his message out and he's mad at Eddie for not telling the story. But Eddie never told. Like, well, he, the deal didn't matter. I he also, didn't need it. <laughs> yeah, I want to back Cletus up. Cletus didn't really tell him anything. I want to back up and say, number one, I'm not sure what the message, like the message was clearly directed at his, uh, at Shriek, Shriek, some sort of love message, but it, it, it's not really clear what it is or what implication it has. But also like, I object to Eddie, Eddie Brock's, uh, ethics here, (laughs) but like, like, uh, not only putting out the message of a serial killer, but it's the headline of his story. Like, I don't know. Like, you don't know what he's doing, what, what twisted games he's playing. It seems like this is not something you want to give a voice to. No, but Eddie has always been kind of a, a, ethically loose reporter but also like it's not the first time like when, I think with Son of Sam was writing letters to Jimmy Breslin and they would be on the cover of the newspaper like it's not the no, first time I know, that a reporter but, but, and a serial killer have, in, have communicated sure but that was way back like by now in journalistic history that was history. back before ethics existed yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean we have I think as a uh, culture uh, you know tacked in the direction of maybe not putting out uh, murderers messages like and those who do so are looked more down upon in the in in the journalistic world. Um, I don't know if that's true. I think if a if a serial killer says to you, "This is my message to the world," and you run it as the story, "Serial killer to the world," this, and it's just some cryptic rhyme about a cathedral, then I don't. I, that feels like it's a story. If a, if a notable person says something, uh, you report it as they're saying. It's not like Cleta said, "Plant a but, fake story but in we, the paper." He said, "I'm <laughs> saying this thing. Put it in your paper." And he goes, "Yeah, sure. You said it. I'll put it in." We've stopped. By and large, putting like the like the faces of mass shooters out and like their story and like focusing on that, like with the the feeling like too much focus on the murderer is is a bad thing. And I just think that like it is odd that in this day and age, like our heroes, like yeah, sure, I'll uh, yeah, whatever you want to, whatever you want, Mister Serial Killer, 
I'll put it out for I you. Guess Eddie's so. got, I mean, Eddie's got a lot like... going on, though. You know, he's still heartbroken over Anne, and he's also got Venom bugging him all the time, which the thing is, yeah, like... he's trying to get back on top. I mean, imagine, you know, Imagine fine. sharing your body with a symbiote. I you guess. Have, you never have moments Dan, of peace. And Dan, Venom's not a role model. Let's just yeah. get that right out no, there. No, no, no. He doesn't no, always I, do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I want to get the message out. Uh, Elliot Kalen says... Uh, you know, put you know, do what a serial killer tells you to. That's X3, I mean, X3. No, I've, Dan, Dan, if ever there was a medium that is okay with amplifying the words of serial killers, it is podcasting. Where every yeah, third podcast oh, is God. a story of someone who died and why it should be entertainment to you. I also, but wa- okay, so look, I wa- yeah. Oh, I just I want to say a few words about Woody. Take, take this fictional character to task a little more. <laughs> no, I but I want to take I want to say a few words about Woody Harrelson's performance as this character. Oh, great. Because he's a guy who I think, uh, you know, like 90% of the time, an actor I enjoy very much. I think he's very good. Here, I feel like it's he's giving the, like, off-the-rack serial killer performance. And it's one that, like, bothers me because always in movies, serial killers are kind of like these cryptic masterminds. Whereas in, in life, they are sad little men who, you know, are trying to— oh, they are they're— they're pathetic people with with horrible sexual dysfunctions that yeah. force them that lead them to murder other people. Like there, there's there. If like I remember when I was a teenager, I got really into reading about serial killers because in the movies they're always like cool. And I read, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who kind of helped invent profiling, like his series mm-hmm. of books about cases he had been on, and they all Let's were just, call just him so Mr. sad. <laughs> Mr. Mine Hunter. Yeah, it was M I Nda Hunter and uh, <laughs> Michael Isabel Nda Hunter, and yeah, and they were just—they're all sad stories. They're yeah. all like you—if you look up the story of Ed Gain, it's not like no, it's, oh it's, wow, it's cool. It's, it's like tragic. oh, this is this this is this guy who like yeah, it's everything about it is is tragic and and sad and but anyway. Uh, Carnage, on the other hand, Cletus, on the other hand, he's a mastermind. He buried all his bodies. Over- he's like Lance Henriksen in Hannibal, when uh-huh. the, the TV show, where Lance Henriksen has created a TP of body, a totem pole of bodies on the beach. And it's like, how did... <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Sorry, no, I my phone over there. So I was so flattered. But it was, like, it was like, how did this old man do this? How, oh, did, wow. like, how did he even get a ladder onto the beach? Elliot, Elliot found out one of the one narrative inconsistencies <laughs> in the Hannibal television <laughs> show. Yeah, Let's go back it. and talk a bunch of totally normal killers. <laughs> <laughs> it was specifically that Lance Henriksen, as creepy as he is, is an old man. Yeah, and so yeah, it was yeah. like, why did they give the old man the most he climbing He looks like an old man, line. though. I feel like youngest That's true. A- a- Lance Henriksen could ever have played was old man. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Okay, uh, so – they find the bodies. People are so disgusted by how many people Cletus killed that he gets the death penalty, which in California has been against the law for many, many years. And Eddie is so famous now that the TV reporters make a point of mentioning him and how yeah. well he's doing during <laughs> the news great. report. Which like, like, is top of the world. <laughs> Talk about inside baseball. Anyway, Venom and Eddie are arguing a lot. Venom wants to eat bad guys because he's to survive, he needs a chemical that's only found in human brains and chocolate. <laughs> and Eddie is like, no, only eat chocolate and sometimes you can eat chickens. And he goes, but I made these two chickens my pets. And the chickens are never as funny as they should be. So they go down to the bodega we saw from the last movie. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Chen, the owner, she knows all about Venom. She's like, hey, Venom, hey, Eddie, she's out of chocolate. So Venom just suits up, just covers up Eddie and jumps around the city. They stop a mugger uh, in classic. There's a guy ripping a purse out of a woman's hands in an alley, and there's mm-hmm. no one else around in the city. Uh, but and he, Venom won't let him eat him. And Venom is mad. He wants to be the lethal protector. And Eddie thinks that the name lethal protector is lame. And let me say one thing here. 
This is this is what really bugged me. Okay, guys, this is oh, what wow. got me. Okay. So Lethal Protector was, of course, the subtitle of the first Venom miniseries, Venom Lethal Protector. Mm. And and Eddie goes, oh, it's so just so 80s. That series didn't come out in the it 80s. The that 80s, series came yeah. out in the early 90s. Come on, everybody. Mm. What's going on here? Mm. You're being gaslit. The Venom miniseries didn't come out in the 80s. Wake up, sheeple. We're through the looking glass. <laughs> it came out in the 90s. This is the Berenstain Bears all over again. Mm-hmm. Have I fallen into yeah. an alternate universe where Venom first got a miniseries in the 1980s? I don't think so. The character wasn't introduced till the late 80s. Get checkmate, I guess. You know, Venom... Take that, Andy Circus. Here's the small thing that bothers me about Venom. Venom. Okay. I know he's a villain uh, at worst, a uh, uh, an antihero at best. I don't like all the the property damage he does when he leaps around. When he's a lot jumping of... around the city, he's ripping walls off of yeah. buildings, which is one of these also where it's like, yeah, you're a bad guy right off the bat. Like even if it's an accident, like <laughs> when it's this is your mode of getting around is just pulling windows out of out of, out of window, yeah. buildings, things like that. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Knocking shingles uh. off. No, no thanks. No, that was one of the things I liked about uh, about Venom initially is that he had all the like grace and dexterity of Spider-Man, but he mm. was like super ripped because Eddie Brock yeah, got he was, mad he's super bulky. And, and bulked up. Well, they, they say he says he goes my he goes the stronger I get, the stronger Venom gets because you increase my strength exponentially compared to my natural strength. So uh-huh. like Ven- Eddie Brock would be just living in the sewers pumping huge weights, just enormous weights. Yeah. Because he knew with Venom, it made him even, t- even uh, stronger. Yeah. Honestly, that's my fantasy, guys. I want to live in the sewer and pump huge weights. <laughs> yeah, just, just hanging like out with Ninja friends, Turtles. The they're Ninja your gym buddies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, ideally they, they, have a symbiote that's always uh, talking to me and occasionally deriding me, but ultimately loves me. <laughs> yeah, then you're never alone. Stuart, I think... Th- I think this is your new stand-up bit, is that you work out at a gym with the Ninja Turtles, and you go, you've heard of gym rats? This gym has an actual rat. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, uh, TM, TM, I took it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, you copyrighted okay. my work? All right. Uh-huh, so yeah. Anne gets in touch with uh, with Eddie. He's like, I got something to tell you. Venom's like, she wants to get back together. That's great. They meet up for drinks. It turns out she got engaged to Dr. Dan, the normal guy she left mm-hmm. Eddie for in the first movie because he makes her feel safe, which understandably, Eddie is a loose cannon. Even without the symbiote, he's still a mess of a person. And, like, uh, he's just a shambling, he's unshaven kind mess. Of, he is kind of cleaned up, though. In the first movie, he just looked like shit the yeah. whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's true. that takes work. Tom Hardy's a good-looking dude. Dr. Dan also played by the actor who played Dan on Veep. So oh, same character, okay. who knows? Could be, could be a crossover. Do you uh, was he a you, doctor on Veep? No, but maybe he went to med- medical school. <laughs> did you identify with him because his name's Dan? Were you like, stop being so hard on Dan? I mean, he's a nice guy. He's he's, a, he's arguably the nicest character in the in the movie. True, and he he uh, he steps up later on in the movie in a situation that could have easily gone terrible for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if anyone is the hero of the movie, putting their life on the line, we will find out it is Doctor Dan. Like he runs into a situation. Situation that would have should have meant instant death for him, and he provides the critical uh, recovery point for Venom twice yeah. in, during that climactic scene. Yeah. It's amazing. He's the hero of the film. They should make a do- sequel called Venom, Dr. Dan. It's just him <laughs> uh-huh. having adventures, yeah. being a doctor. And then he becomes anyway, so popular, uh, they actually start writing him into the Spider-Man comics. <laughs> yeah, he gets his own book, Dr. Dan, non-lethal protector. He helps people <laughs> and saves them. So Eddie is sad, and Venom's like, you gotta put on your big boy pants. Like Venom is always saying stuff like that. I don't like it. He's like a walking kind of non novelty t-shirt at times or like uh yeah. you know there's something about venom that's very like 
greeting card that has a mustache and bacon on it and is yeah, like, this like, is cool, right? Like, yeah, he's like, he's like, a, mm, I get he's that like an inspirational card. Instagram <laughs> meme account that just repurposes other people's memes and stuff and shows pictures of Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio and, and it's like lifestyle goals and shit. <laughs> yeah, that's Venom. Uh, so the next morning, Venom tries to cheer Eddie up again. He cooks him a huge breakfast and he's singing, let's right. call the whole thing it's off. pretty good. And he's, Making such a mess. Like Dan said, he is so graceless and so clumsy while he's just throwing food around. Uh, And they get a postcard in the mail inviting Eddie to watch Cletus's execution. It's a postcard (laughs) from Cletus. And he's written so many tiny words all around it that – it, that it turns into an entire monologue about through an animated sequence of uh-huh. Cletus's horribly abusive and murderous childhood, which and I like, love because there's no way I, he fit that many letters on that. On it, that it reminded me of uh, like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac comics. So I did I'm into like that. that yeah, this turned into that. like yeah. a little cartoon in the middle of it. Yeah. Like this was it a was like suddenly we got choice. an episode of Liquid Television. Yeah. Suddenly an episode of Liquid Television broke out, and I, that should happen in more movies. Yeah. It doesn't have to be just this and Sukiyaki Western Django that have little animated sequences in them. Come yeah, on, put them in more. lots of movies. Yeah. So um, Eddie goes to visit Cletus, and Cletus is very hot and cold with Eddie in this scene. Mm-hmm. He is both angry at him. One minute he's like, you know, you and me were both we we're both uh, lo- we're two sides of the same coin. We're both losers in some way. And then the next he's like, I curse you to be alone forever. Like I wasn't. I mean, Cletus again it's, is uh, is a madman, but it's yeah. not consistent. And yeah. Venom is so mad at what Cletus is saying about Eddie that he lashes out. And Cletus and Eddie are kind of like grappling through the bars of Cletus's cell. And Ed, and he bites Eddie's finger. And then he finds a little bit of symbiote in his mouth. Uh oh. Uh, we know what that means. Something's gonna let there be carnage. Uh, now back at home. Yes. Now, see, I so I mm-hmm. discovered this. Yes. I discovered this factoid uh, while trying to puzzle out a later moment in in the movie. Now you can which just will, say fact. Facts and factoids are actually the same thing. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Well, actually, factoid originally meant a false fact. So. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. I guess. I mean, I guess this technically counts because it's a fictional <laughs> world we're living. But <laughs> okay. I, I I discovered Wait, we're living in a fictional world. Dan, are. you know Elon Musk <laughs> oh, hologram no. and a computer truther? No. Um, no, I discovered that <laughs> Guys, I, what if this was all just an algorithm in a computer? I don't know. It wouldn't change anything. We'd yeah. all be doing the exact same stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. but still. I guess the offspring of these symbiotes uh, are more powerful than the original uh, for some reason. Like, that's the way that they work, but... It, it's for the, it's for the reason of making it harder for the for Venom to defeat yeah, them I, in the I, comics. Yeah, I, I guess so. But it was to me like watching the movie. I'm like, wait, why? Like Venom later on is like, oh, this you know, like it's a more powerful version. He and, goes, oh no, it's a red one. And yeah, he's yeah, of it for a little bit. Yeah, and like why biting Venom creates a stronger character <laughs> is a thing that Good the movie question. does not engage with and confused me. Dan, just think about it this not way, okay? Like, if if I had to get in a fight with my dad, I would beat the shit out of him. <laughs> okay, I got you. <laughs> so shit just that Carnage fair. is younger, even though Woody Harrelson is, is older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they should e- they should equal out. They should balance out in that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. But it's also in the Wait, in the Woody Harrelson story. is older? Because he seems pretty young. He's wearing hip clothes. Mm-hmm. He drives a hot <laughs> dating Naomi Harris. Yeah. E- even the hip clothes he wears are like, old clothes and he yeah. and his hot car is a 66 Mustang like it's like they're like well let's surround him with old clothes and old cars to make him look younger yeah. the way that we want yeah. him we want to make Adam West look like a college student by having him beat up middle-aged thugs on the Batman <laughs> TV show 
so the, but, but uh, you bring up a good point that so in the in the comic, the Venom symbiote just kind of leaves behind a baby. I guess it was just time to reproduce. But mm-hmm. in this, yeah, Eddie is, gets bitten by Cletus and. Cletus is like, oh, that's not blood in my mouth. I know what blood tastes like. What is this? And it's just a new baby symbiote. And the symbiote has a personality, gives itself the name Carnage. We'll get to that. Yeah, anyway, yeah, the same yeah. way that Venom was like, my name is Venom, which is goofy. Like that mm. these are aliens that have Earth names. But anyway, uh, Eddie and Venom go back home and they get in a big fight and Venom smashes up the whole place and then leaves. I, lo- and he jumps I, lo- I kind of like this sequence. I like, I like their fight. I like it it's too. It's pretty goofy. But- other than... Whenever a movie involves like people, like the joke trashing of an apartment, I just get really stressed out because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, like your place is trash now. Like you got to rebuy all that stuff that well, got, also, you got to so wash your deposit. He takes his big TV and throws it out the window. Yeah. And I think the next scene, he has a new TV that he's taking out of the box. And it's like, first world problems. Like <laughs> I can afford a new <laughs> yeah. TV. But if I had, if my TV broke, I wouldn't be able to go out and run out and replace it, right? It's the same way that I had to stop watching the show Modern Family because there was one season where three different episodes involved characters getting into car accidents, and it was not a problem. They never seemed to worry about how am I going to find the time to take this car? What am I going to do mm. for a car while what it's in the shop? What an episode that would be. They, but like that, I can't relate to a family <laughs> that loses a car and it's just like, well, get another one from the machine, <laughs> yeah. like and they walk have, a car they have, off the tree out back. And they have a full events <laughs> yeah, budget exactly. every time they have a Halloween party. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that their Halloween haunted house is is like a, is like Six Flags. Like it's it's <laughs> yeah. like when Disney decks out for Halloween. Like it's so yeah. professional. But anyway, so uh, Eddie uh, jumps on uh, the Venom jumps onto the body of a woman biking away, and he create he just becomes a big middle finger that he waves at Eddie, which is like <laughs> that's the movie in a um, nutshell. Yeah, I love is it. the symbiote turning into a big middle finger? Yeah. Like, uh, so we go to Cassidy's execution. Eddie has decided not to attend. Uh, the lethal injection drugs, I wasn't sure if they were interacting with the symbiote in the system or if they were blocked by the symbiote in the system, but he becomes carnage. The symbiote takes over his body or at least is empowering him, and he rampages through the prison, and he shows off all of his powers. He can create, like, saws and knives. He can throw darts. Uh, the uh, A bullet gets shot at him, and his, uh, he creates a hole in his own belly, and the bullet goes through it, which is mm-hmm. weird, because Cletus should be inside that suit. I don't know what happened to Cletus's stomach when that bullet, when when the body had a hole in it. it you, would make li- sense. you would like some and- kind of, like, like 3D x-ray attack moment where it shows you Cletus's body inside, like in... Uh- well, what I'd like to have happen is what happens in the comics, where the symbiote absorbs the bullets and then spits them out. Basically, okay. like mm. the bullets would hit Venom's body and then they would kind of like plop, 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 fall out as opposed to Venom or Carnage creating a hole in their bodies like they're Roger Rabbit and then closing the hole. Mm-hmm. Like he's essentially giving Cletus a major hernia and then closed it up instantly, which is not how human bodies work. But anyway, and then, but, this, but that, I wasn't worried about that for too long because then Venom starts, uh, Carnage, I'm sorry, Carnage starts spinning around so fast he creates a oh, cyclone, yeah. <laughs> which oh, yeah, blows awesome. everyone away. Which is ridiculous. Guys, okay, what's your true opinions of this? That this character, it's a pair he never uses again, by the way. That he can, cre- he can which is, create, he can spin which is so wild. fast to create cyclones. He must have only had like one use of that ability. <laughs> he needs yeah, to take yeah. a long rest to up. recharge that. I mean, I do like the Tasmanian devil, who's <laughs> basically a cyclone character. I like uh, Riptide from the Marauders. Mm. Yeah, but that's Riptide's whole power. Like, yeah, that's, that's all true. he does. He's just constantly uh, doing but, it. Anytime, a, anytime okay, so, a character turns into a little whirlwind with like a little tornado, but with a normal head on top, I love that shit. <laughs> like if Carnage had done that and his little head was just poking up and he was like smiling, I would have loved it. 
Well, the best thing about that is what it's implying is that his head is not moving. And so <laughs> yeah. his his neck is either his head is either able to turn 360 degrees or his neck is just twisting, 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 twisting. Like when you get on a swing and you turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it, turn uh-huh. it to put the chains together so that uh-huh. you can let go and have it spin around. Yeah. And you spin around real yeah, fast. Spin me, That's yeah. happening with his neck. Well, what's funny about it is that the the uh, the artist is like nobody would know that this is Riptide or Carnage or whatever, if they, if their head was spinning too. They would just think it's a normal man-size whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> so I better put a little head on Yeah, there, exactly. Uh, so everyone knows. So uh, Detective Mulligan, he's this detective who's always on Eddie's case. He yeah. tells Eddie that Cletus has escaped. And uh, uh, and at the same time, uh, Venom goes to like kind of a costume party rave where oh, we've established yes. that... Venom, that the symbiotes are hurt by sound and fire. Mm. Apparently the music here where Little Sims, the rapper, is performing, the, the music is apparently so low, maybe there's a neighborhood noise ordinance that it doesn't bother Eddie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother Venom, I'm sorry. And Venom is just walking around. Everyone loves his costume. He pick, he takes the mic from Little Sims and gives a speech about tolerance and the crowd it's, loves it. It's amazing. He's like, <laughs> trans rights are human rights. It's amazing. I love it. He's yeah. got all, he's, he's like, like dripping in, uh, in like glow sticks and shit. Yeah. He's like, of course black lives matter. Yeah, of course they it. do. Oh, and how is that even a question in this century? I'm an alien and I know that. <laughs> yeah. But it's this whole scene, it's just like, what kind of party do you think this was? So what was this? Dan, you've been to a lot of costume I, I mean, raves. What was going yeah, on with it's, this? Uh, <laughs> it's also this apparently around? happening at like seven in the evening. Well, that's the thing. Like, is it around Halloween? I mean, it's, I mean, it's a rave, but they're all costumed. I don't know whether it's like, you know, like because of the time of year or whether it's just like, they're like, yeah, you know costumes we like to dance there's no we theme like to the costumes either they're they're all different costumes i mean there's yeah. a lot it's of not like you're like oh well yeah but it's not like you can be like oh anime fest is in town and that's where, why these people are dressed up like that mm-hmm. like it's it, they're it, they're just very randomly in costumes and venom is the king of this of this party they all yeah. love him a lady hits on him uh yeah, he puts her down not very gently he's like you're not my type <laughs> and then uh <laughs> And then after his speech, uh, he walks that, into the a hallway problem, and passes. The problem and, with his response is that it, it asks more questions than it answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, that's true. I was wondering. I'm like, okay, but yeah, <laughs> who is yeah? Who would Venom yeah, go yeah, for let's, here? Let's let's pull out a yeah. Let's let's get his full uh, star chart. <laughs> let's let's yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's get on Venom's Tinder and like help him swipe. Yeah, you let's know, do see what he star with Venom. What he likes. Uh, he, Venom is on Venom is on tongue because he's got such a long tongue. He's always whipping it around. Uh, So, And clearly Anne is his type. He loves Michelle Williams. He wants to be around her all the time. Anyway, but Venom is tired. He passes out. These bodies, they're not strong enough to support him, these host bodies. So, uh, And it also means that somebody's just going to wake up feeling sick at a costume rave and be like, how did I get here? I don't understand. I mean, of the places you could wake up feeling... Yeah, of the places you could wake up feeling sick, I think a costumed rave is not the strangest. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're not going to... That's fair. You're not going to be like, oh, I got to get... Columbo on this case. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, why do I feel bad? <laughs> so you say you say you were just riding your bicycle down the street and suddenly you passed out and you woke up at a costume rave. That makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, one, one question, one question. Was it a costume rave? It was. Case closed. <laughs> you know, Mrs. Columbo oh, and I, we were at a costume rave once. Would I be Venom's type? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. He's an alien creature that people wear as a costume. He's essentially a living jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah, with a long tongue. Anyway, that makes sense. Oh, one more question. Uh, why is his name Venom? Is there a Mrs. Venom? <laughs> I mean, uh, he's opening the door for it. Yeah, he or a Mister. We just don't know what it is. So, uh, Cletus. Meanwhile, he's he steals a car and he makes a deal with the Carnage symbiote. He'll help Carnage kill Venom if mm-hmm. Carnage helps him 
get Shriek. And then he uses the Carnage symbiote just to pick up a truck off the bridge that someone is driving in and throw it off the bridge. Yeah. And it's like, wait, huh? Come on. That's a little bit too casual of a murder for me. Uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, he's Carnage. <laughs> Meanwhile, Eddie, he's like, oh, let me go through my old notes. Oh, I'll go to the old reform school. And he goes there and he finds a tree with Cletus and Francis's initials carved into it in a heart, in perhaps oh, the laziest way this information could be discovered. case. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And he calls the detective and he goes, hey, I think I've got something here. Cletus was in love once. Is that anything? And the detective's <laughs> like, yeah, but she's dead. I killed her when she tried to escape as a teen. I was the cop who was in the, in the cold open. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> but she's not dead. We already know that. And yeah. now Cletus knows it because of his infallible method of finding his, his, his girlfriend that he thinks might be dead. He goes to a bodega. He knocks out or kills the guy who works there. The guy, of course, has a laptop open on the counter, as we've seen in many bodegas. They're always using laptops mm -hmm. at their work. And he has his Carnage symbiote go into the laptop. Somehow that allows him to hack into Ravencroft's secret files, and he finds where, where Shriek is hidden. Can you please explain to me this scene? Uh, I, know, wish, I wish that Carnage had said, learning when he did it like it's, apocalypse it's, did. it's biomechanical yeah. jazz man you know it's uh it's uh okay then why is why is this guy got a laptop open at work <laughs> well come on i mean that's i mean maybe he's taking he night classes at a bodega. like i mean what is he gonna do okay. while there's no one in there i like, maybe he's on comicsology reading maximum carnage this is not an important <laughs> this is not an important thing to say but it's it's itching at my brain i just want to say for half the movie, I thought that the detective, by the way, was Donnie Wahlberg. And the detective is not mm -hmm. is not Donnie <laughs> no, Wahlberg. No. No, uh, the detective is played by Stephen Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From and who's been it was in a bunch of like uh what's uh what's that guy? Uh, you know, the lock stock and two smoking barrels guy. Guy Ritchie. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy. That literal He's guy. I was stuff. gonna say guy. He's in the Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> movies. Guy Lombardo. Yeah, he, he also, <laughs> weirdly enough, just like Tom Hardy portrayed Al Capone in a movie. Uh, well, in a TV show. Stuart, I see you have yes. <laughs> a document open in front <laughs> in, of you. In I'm Boardwalk just, Empire, which is one of those long movies. Just, oh, what are you saying, Dan? TV is no, the new I, movies. I just see that Stuart has a document in front of him. I wonder whether he's been looking for a chance to, to launch into it. Well, I'm just trying to explain that just like Eddie and Venom, our uh -huh. show needs our Max Fun members to be the best that it can be <laughs> to defeat Carnage. Uh, Tell me more. Tell me more. I yeah, want to yeah. take a moment uh, while the drive winds down to thank all of our MaxFun members, new upgrading and longtime supporters. You make this show happen. Your money makes the Flophouse a priority for us, and it makes our lives better. It covers our, produc our production costs, but mostly... It just goes to us living our lives, uh, you know, paying bills. <laughs> but we need it, though. But we need it, though. Yeah. Well, it pays our bills, and you know what? You know, we can afford the occasional little treat. You want us to have treats, right? <laughs> interesting. <laughs> this is an interesting tactic. Now, the drive is the time during the year that we push what you, membership. What, do you hate treats? Yeah. What's going on here? Uh, what's your problem with treats? No, I don't have a problem with treats. And because this is the time that treat we push Williams? membership. Treat Williams? You got a problem with Treat Williams Yeah, we're, we're dogging on my man Treat Williams from top Treats. Dead Heat. Um, <laughs> and because this is the time of year that we push membership, it also means that we uh, it makes it a perfect time to get a little bit sappy and thank you for all that you've done for our show. Like, to make it a little more clear, Dan is obviously Aragorn in this situation. I'm okay. Legolas, and that makes Elliot Gimli, okay? Huh. And our Max mm. Fun members are the four hobbits. And, like, this is the part where Aragorn <laughs> leans down and he says, 
my friends, you bow to no one. And then the projectionist has to stop the movie because I'm crying so violently in the theater that he thinks somebody is dying, okay? So thank you. (laughs) But if my thanks is not enough, there's also a ton of great member gifts available. There's hours of bonus content with more on the way for $5 a month member. Uh, New and upgrading members at the $10 per month level will receive an embroidered patch for their favorite show. Ours features that irascible uh, little hooligan, the house cat, bursting out. And there's much more. And for all of you that already support us and might be feeling a little bit generous, we also offer the option to give a listener a gift membership that includes access to all those cool member gifts. So just head over to MaximumFun.org slash join. And we actually have a couple of personal goals uh, that we're going to be uh, checking in uh, in a few days as the drive wraps up. Uh, if we receive uh, 1,900 new and upgrading members, uh, we're going to be doing a raffle giveaway of signed Maniac of New York comics or Hinterland swag or drawings from Dan Uh, If we hit 2,300 new and upgrading uh, members, we're going to be doing another commentary track, this time featuring the Country Bears, you know, the ones who were so close to defeating cats, but they just couldn't do it. Well, you can make that happen. And at 3,500 new and upgrading members, we're going to be doing quarterly movie audio commentaries for a year. That sounds like so much fun. We already did one commentary. I want to do more. Make that happen, please. So thank you again, supporters. Elliot? All right, that was great, Stuart. Thank you so much. Uh, Let's get back to the movie. Anyway, when we last left the film, Mm. Carnage, a.k.a. Cletus Cassidy and Carnage, they're two people who are a person in a suit and they become one thing, uh, they've just discovered where Shriek, the character who you know is like Shriek, uh, is located. And so they go to Ravencroft, they break her out of there, and she loves these new Carnage powers. uh, And I... I'm just going to go, I'm just going to say it, guys. I think mm. that uh, Naomi Harris is not given much to do <laughs> no, in this movie. Um, she is a, she is, she's an actor of, of amazing talent. I've, I've loved her in, in many other performances. And, they, and she's a very charismatic performer. And in this, uh, it's just kind of like, you know, she just, she's basically just like yeah. Eddie's, uh, sorry, she's, I keep calling by the name, wrong names. She's just Cletus's girlfriend who loves to kill people and is just like uh, a mean, you know, scary person yeah. who says things like knock, knock, you know, and stuff like that. It's really just, you know, it's a waste of a, of a, of I know a this talent, sounds weird. You know? She would have made a better carnage. Mm. I, to be honest, I think that would have been yeah. really cool. Weirdly enough, that just really, like in really the first cool. movie, I thought Michelle Williams and Riz Ahmed should have swapped roles. Hmm. I think this is the same hmm. situation. Interesting. I think, I think, I think that, Woody uh, Harrison would have made a great shriek. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Let's I think, just I do think the old a... Venom shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> so they call it, that's what they called it when the Chicago Bears <laughs> recorded that song in the 1980s. <laughs> uh, they, I think that would have been, yeah, I think those are all uh, really cool ideas. Let's do it, guys. <laughs> yeah, let's just do uh, so, it. Uh, so they, they escape, um, and uh, she's basically, her personality is basically chaotic evil that's pretty much what she is but her shriek powers because they're loud when she uses them it hurts the carnage symbiote so carnage doesn't like that uh and venom goes to venom the suit goes to mrs chen for help he's burning through bodies they're too weak to host him and meanwhile eddie gets picked up by the detective for interrogation he learns cletus has a symbiote while the detective is like people said something about monsters and this is another thing i didn't believe is that 
Cletus Cassidy is a famous serial killer. He's being executed. He goes on a rampage in a monster suit and breaks out of the prison. There is no foot. There's no cell phone footage. There's no pictures. There are no news cameras outside where he's being executed. There is no. There's like there's people. People are saying there was a monster there, and it's like okay. I guess there's no. <laughs> nobody could take a picture of him. Like he doesn't exist. You know. Uh, they have no idea what's going on. But he learns Cletus has symbiote. He calls. Anne, as his lawyer, and she comes in and he goes, hey, Venom's alive. I need you to go get him for me. She goes to the bodega where Mrs. Chen is wearing Venom. Again, would have been a more fun movie if now Mrs. Chen is Venom. Yeah. What are you going to do? And uh, Anne has to like praise Venom while flirting with him uh, <laughs> in a kind of creepy way, but also kind of a funny mm-hmm. way. So that It feels like Michelle Williams her. is like, finally, something to do in this movie. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. She, she's not... Also, she's also not given much, but she's having fun with what she yeah. like. Michelle Williams. I, by the way, like I like looked her up because I was like, I haven't seen her in a while. I realized, and it it was distressing to realize that like other like other than Fosse Verdon, which I hadn't seen, I haven't seen. I heard it was very good. The the it's very series. good, and, that, and that's a I mean that's a long miniseries. Like that's I get why that might have taken a long time and that, taken a lot out of her. Yes. You know? Other than there's she had one other movie between. Uh, the original Venom and this one, and that's what she's been doing lately. I I also read that, you know, uh, apparently she had a a divorce recently, so I wouldn't be surprised if she was stepping back from some stuff because of that. But uh, I would love to see more of her. I think that uh, there's... I was thinking about this recently because there was that news story where Andrew Garfield was like, I think I'm going to take a little little time off from acting. Mm -hmm. Uh, That... We've got to this point now where, I mean, this is the way movie stars have always been kind of, where it's like, if you're not in a movie for a certain amount of time, people think your career's over. Yeah. But especially now, when entertainment is consumed so quickly, and we expect an endless instant feed of stuff that you cannot be in a movie for, I mean, between Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage is three years. Yeah. And that's plenty of time for someone to have, to not make another movie. Like, and you never know what's going on in someone's life. And that with performers a lot, it's like, they're kind of, it's seen as a failure if they're not constantly working when they might have other things and they're going on in their life. Yeah. They might not want to work for a little bit. Like she had two movies in 2018, two in tw- three in 2017, two in 2016. Like, but, but I think there is this perception that if you don't see an actor for a year, then something's going on and that something's wrong and her, their career is failing right. or something like that. Or you know? the thing happens so that, uh, <laughs> this is like they talk about this I think uh, on blank check a fair amount but I've also like just experienced it in my life where I'm like oh man that actor like oh it's a shame that they their career never took off and then like you're like oh wait they've been on 500 episodes of something on CBS yeah. <laughs> and that's why yes. I haven't been or, seeing or them they- around I mean, that's the other thing is the, th- is the idea that movies are like the only thing that movie actors do. Like yeah. she made a TV show during yeah. that time. Like sometimes they would make a TV, sometimes they're doing plays. Like there's other, there's other things like, you know, he's a monster. All but there was right. A period I apologize Kenneth- to Michelle Williams, Elliot. No, no, no. But no, no, I wasn't meaning to be, <laughs> I'm using the example of someone who is a monster, but there was a period where like Kevin Spacey wasn't making a lot of movies because he was running the old Vic theater in, or yeah. the artistic director there. Like they, I mean, and again, he's, I don't use him as an example. Just the first one came to mind. Cause again, he's a monster, but yeah. still the, uh, much like carnage. How are you going to, uh, how are you going to apologize to Michelle Williams? Are you going to uh, DMs oh, or I, you said she went through a divorce. So maybe I'll probably like send an edible arrangement. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's really nice. What's great about that is so many arrangements are not edible yeah. and it's just really nice to <laughs> finally get an arrangement that just you can sounds eat. like you're not uh, putting enough effort in Ellie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> because that's true. Well, how come when I arrange things, they're not edible? Like when I arrange my shoes in the closet, they're suddenly I want them to be edible. I don't know. But, if it's uh, a cartoon, you could probably eat them. Give give actors some time, you know, and that and that goes for writers and directors and all the other people too. Anyway, so Anne comes back wearing Venom. And Venom makes Eddie apologize, and Eddie is like, okay, I'll take him back. And Eddie gets released by the police, almost as if the police were just holding him for, until Venom came. <laughs> until the like, plot yeah. okay, <laughs> you got your symbiote. You can go now. Uh, meanwhile, Cletus and Shriek, they burn down their old reform school and decide they're going to hold a wedding where they're going to get married and they're going <laughs> to each get to kill one person. He kills Eddie, Carnage kills Venom, and Shriek will kill Detective Mulligan. And almost instantly, Detective <laughs> Mulligan is like, old for Eddie. Something and, new. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, something so the something old is uh well it's Woody Harrelson, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. The something Ouch. something blue is how Eddie feels having been dumped by Anne. Yeah, something yeah. new is Shriek, new character in the in the mythos here. And uh, something borrowed is I guess this the symbiote I guess the symbiote, powers? Yeah. This is such this is yeah. such a twisted concept for a wedding. What did Cormac McCarthy write? <laughs> oh, that, that <laughs> <motherfucker>. <laughs> This is uh, now I want to say now Cormac McCarthy is uh, is he's officiating the wedding. He goes, dearly beloved, we gather here to fuck some people up. This is gonna get <laughs> oh, twisted. Sunglasses <laughs> hey, go on. Do you take Shriek <laughs> in nasty times and in nastier times? <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Oh, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, Cormac McCarthy. He's wearing like a black leather cassock, like he's a vampire for one of my vampire oh, I was, characters I was even from Vampire say, the Masquerade. He's wearing, a, he's, he's wearing a priest collar, but then he's got a sleeveless black T-shirt on, Hell like a yeah. black muscle shirt. Okay, that's yeah. cool too, and, yeah, yeah. And like a big knife belted to his be his belt, so that like yeah. if yeah. a zombie comes out of the churchyard, he can cut its head off the or something. Uh -huh. Anyway, that's Cormac McCarthy uh, and uh, the detective. So he's like, "I better go to Eddie's apartment to ask him another question." And Cletus just happens to be showing up at the apartment at the same time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He kidnaps him. Shriek kidnaps Anne to lure Eddie to the wedding. And then there's a little a uh, 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 back and forth between Eddie and Venom that I feel like encapsulates the whole movie its style and its tone and how it works in three lines. Eddie says, we're going to a wedding. And Venom says, will there be canapes? And Eddie goes, you bet your ass. And it was like, okay, it's banter <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. Venom is making like a cutesy reference to a human thing. Mm -hmm. The characters are just stating the plot. There's going to be this Venom, this wedding and we're going to go there. And there's this unnecessary vulgarity and you bet your ass. It's all right there in that, in that three lines. That's the movie right there. I do like that uh, Eddie is yes anding Venom's uh, thing that like in a way that doesn't, doesn't make sense. Sense. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. I, I, you know, there were no canopies. I, I took, I took a look around. <laughs> yeah. And is the and I don't know if the implication is like Eddie's going to let Venom eat some bad guys, and that's the canopies. Uh, it, it's maybe. just like it's banter that has it's banter where you have to take a moment and think about it, which is not the best kind of banter. But no. he goes, yeah. "You bet your ass." I remember him <laughs> saying that and me being like, "Wait a minute, how do you know?" <laughs> like you didn't so, get an invitation, really. This introduces the um, the question so, as to whether or not Venom has an ass. That's a good question. We're <laughs> Stuff to mm -hmm. tell. We're. I mean, if it, if it, if the if the Venom toy that I bought when I was <laughs> when I was an adolescent is anything to go by, he has oh, yeah. a beautiful ass. What a yeah. fucking dump yeah. truck on that butt. guy. <laughs> That this is the this is the what thirteen inch or twelve inch uh, Venom's figure that was released in the early nineties. I still have mine. My kids play with it, and I always thought it was weird. I, you, when you buy them in the box, you just see the front of them. So when I took it out of the box and I saw that he has an incredibly sculpted ass, and it's just so lovingly curved, it's like <laughs> wow, they really put a lot of they put a lot of work into his butt on this one. Yeah, so did he. But this is the uh, we are hurtling <laughs> towards the 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 big final fight, the climax of the movie, and yeah. It feels like 
it's a short movie, but it feels like this last fight is one third of it. And, uh, you know, as I said before, whenever this movie kicks into like plot stuff or action stuff, I am the least interested in it. And this was just a cacophony of like people being hurled into things for like half an hour. Uh, Very much so. And this is and this is the kind of scene usually at this point usually so this movie is an hour and thirty seven minutes long. So mm-hmm. a normal superhero movie at this point is forty to fifty minutes longer than that. So usually this would be the scene where Venom and Carnage fight for the first time. Carnage defeats Venom, but Venom escapes or Carnage gets away. And now there's going to be a bigger fight later on. Yeah. But instead, this is the final fight. This is a very old fashioned movie where the main hero and villain don't even meet each other face to face until the final conflict. And so they go to the cathedral. Cletus and Shriek, they're staging this wedding with a real priest who looks terrified to be there, rightfully uh-huh. so. Played by Reese Shearsmith from Inside Ooh. Number 9 and uh, League of Gentlemen. It was great. Uh. Oh, I didn't even recognize him. Yeah, uh, it's because I think the uh, I think I was reading that this whole movie was shot in the UK. That's why there's a lot yes. of UK actors. It makes sense. The whole movie was shot in the UK, although apparently I guess some exteriors were done in San Francisco because I was reading in the trivia, there's a part where Venom is looking for carnage and some police helicopters go overhead and those were actually helicopters for the new Matrix movie that was also being shot at the same time and they were like, keep it in the shot. There's, we'll just say they're looking for carnage mm. instead of mm-hmm. looking for Neo or whatever. Yeah. So uh, so I like to think those this is a crossover. It's lo- those helicopters exist in both universes and co- Venom exists in the Matrix, I guess. So, makes sense. Uh, yeah, Venom busts in. He's briefly scared that Carnage is a red suit, but he fights him anyway because Ven- Eddie's like, well, you can eat him if you defeat him. Eat him if you defeat him. That's the motto <laughs> in my household. Yeah. Uh, if you kill it, you fill it, and if you, eat, and if you defeat him, you eat him. Look, that's... Uh, don't, ever rhymes, re- don't ever ever wrestle your sons, Elliot, because I don't want... Them to eat Elliot? Either way, you yeah. know, like, you know, either way, we, we the world loses. Well, what will <laughs> happen is... I'm like, call me... Call me, uh, call me Saturn because I'm devouring my children. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's well, how it's going to be. Yeah. Daniel will be smart enough to swap the his sons with stones, so Elliot will just eat stones instead. Oh, <laughs> he, she's tried it, and I always unswaddle them first to make sure they're not yeah, stones. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's smart. And once it was Oliver Stone, I was like, I don't want to eat this. Yeah, Threw it yeah, away. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so... <laughs> so... so <laughs> <laughs> Shriek tries to help Carnage, but her screen powers hurt Carnage, so Carnage slaps her away. And so while they're fighting, Shriek goes off and chases and tortures the detective and seems to murder him. She, like, hangs him with a chain or something. Mm. And uh, Carnage bites the priest's head off as if it's, like, a power-up that gives him, I guess, does, holy yeah. god power that makes him stronger. Mm-hmm. Venom is losing, but then who shows up? The secret hero of the movie, Dr. Dan. Yep. I don't know how he got onto the scaffolding above the church, but suddenly he's just pouring lit gasoline onto Carnage Saving the day, yeah. being more effective at fighting Carnage than Venom is. Guys, were you as surprised as I was to see Dr. Dan be revealed yes. as the hero of the movie? Yes. I was not expecting it because he's a character that had been derided the whole time, but clearly he's the hero. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and also, like, he doesn't need to help uh, his his new fiancé's ex-fiancé. He could be uh, a much smaller man, but instead he's right there fighting by his side. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a symbiote to protect him. Yeah. He's just, all he has yeah. is his medical degree and the Hippocratic Oath. Although the Hippocratic Oath says do no harm. Mm. He's clearly harming Carnage. <laughs> yes, we have oh to my revoke God. his slices. Oh, my God. He's the villain. He's the worst of them all. Yeah. Oh, he's betrayed his yeah. his, his, tra- educate, his medical training. Somewhere there, the, the, at the... At the, at the uh, the the medical uh, chamber that he st- studied in, in in Germany. There's just an old physician who's going, oh, 
Dan, you've forbade us in this. No, Dan, you've betrayed mm-hmm. my teaching. Oh, now, no. How is this, that kind of thing. This guy seeing this is this through like a, a crystal ball oh, or yeah. a, a scrying. Yeah, he has a crystal mirror. ball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's also he's he's like a he's like a Van Helsing type. He dabbles in magic. He's also a doctor of the occult. <laughs> oh, wow. Sure, yeah. Rich backstory uh, so, uh, for this character. <laughs> <laughs> so there's more fighting and Cletus is like, I'm mad, Eddie, that you didn't tell my side of my childhood. And it's like, to be fair, he never, you never told him what it was until that postcard. Like, it, you never gave him the chance. Uh, Carnage traps Venom under some rubble and he runs I off like, I kind of like the, there's a, there's a sequence where they're fighting each other and the church bell is ringing and so they'll fight and then all of a sudden their symbiotes retreat back inside their bodies for a minute. And then when the reverberations stop, the symbiotes come back out again. I thought that was kind of cool. It's a cool idea. It kind of happens in the first movie too when yeah. he's fighting Riz Ahmed. I think the same thing happens. But it's a cool idea that like they, they're monsters and then suddenly they have to be just human beings punching each other and then they're monsters again. It's a really – I can see why they're – they're going to do the third one too, probably when he fights two symbiots, yeah, or something like that. You know, unless the, I get or the next one's going to be Ven- Venom versus Morbius or something like that. Uh, I mean, I it's going to seem like it's a versus, and then they're just going to team up to beat up poachers or something that are trying to kill dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They're going to have to stop a polluter that's trying to t- cut down the Amazon rainforest. Seeing dollar yeah. signs in my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> guys, take me Dan, to the you doctor. You have to see a doctor, <laughs> Doctor Dan. Yeah. <laughs> That was a, uh, wasn't that a Tim and Eric bit once where uh, a guy, he looks at something and dollar signs pop in his eyes and he has to go to the doctor and get them removed. He's like, oh, it hurts so much. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, so anyway, um, the, uh, so uh, they fight some more. Carnage, uh, he wants to, Carnage the symbiote wants to kill Shriek because her powers hurt him, but Cletus won't let him, so they start fighting. And Dr. Dan, again, the hero of the movie, he points out, he goes, they're not being symbiotic. They're fighting each other. They're not cooperating. Mm. And Venom and Eddie are like, that's right, and we are symbiotic. We are the lethal protectors. And that self-realization of friendship gives them the strength they need to push all this rubble off of them. Yeah, that's uh, great. It's an emotional breakthrough that leads to a physical breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go and fight Carnage again. This is roughly round 10 of their fight. They free Anne and Carnage gets mad and says, let there be Carnage. Someone had to say it. Finally, Carnage says it. Mm. Uh, ironically, there's less Carnage from this point on than there had been previously <laughs> yeah. in the movie. Uh, he's fighting Venom and then Venom, in possibly the least heroic thing that a hero character can do in a movie, pushes Shriek off a tower, <laughs> causing her to scream so loud that the church starts crumbling and it hurts Carnage. And Carnage and Cletus separate, and Venom lands and then picks up the Carnage symbiote and eats it. And yeah. then they pick up Cletus, and, and Cletus goes, I just wanted to be your friend, Eddie. And Venom says, fuck this guy, and bites his head <laughs> off. And that was not me paraphrasing. That's the exact line from yep. the movie. Yeah. I did kind of laugh at it a little bit because it is such a not witty or a graceful thing to say. Well, I mean, look, I I don't know. I'm not – in real life, I am not uh, one for uh, capital, biting off people's cap, capital punishment. I'm, no. yeah, I, I mean, yeah, Dan I, is very anti-biting off I do think that heads. biting people's heads off is a cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, both cruel and unusual, but I, in the, in the context of this movie, I definitely was like, yeah, yeah, just bite this guy's head off. We yeah, can't. Yeah. Well, he's no a fictional character, you know. <laughs> he has almost no personality. He's just a serial killer who, that's his whole life. But yeah. just that Venom is like, I know what to do. I'll push, I'll, I'll push Carnage's, yeah. I'll use my power to push Cletus's girlfriend off a, <laughs> off a high ledge. <laughs> so she dies. It was, so, um. The heroes all run off as the police arrive, uh, and then we were revealed Detective Mulligan is alive, and he's like, monsters, 
monsters. And when I read the Wikipedia summary, it said that his eyes glowed his blue eyes glow like blue. shrieks, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't notice. You that. didn't notice that um, it was pretty. Yeah, it was pr- pretty defined, yeah. and that was what left. In my defense, Dan, I was watching. I was watching it on iPad while I was doing dishes, so I didn't yeah. miss that moment. Uh, but this was what led me to my research, where I found out that apparently a symbiote, uh, symbiote uh, offspring, are more powerful because this is setting up. I guess he's toxin. Is the mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, because toxin is a yeah, it's a police officer. I think with the symbiote. But how did he get it from Shriek? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. I like that's why I had to go look it up on online. Like I I googled why cops eyes blue venom. <laughs> I think <laughs> and, and the internet explained it to me. <laughs> but uh, uh, toxin is that's around the time I think when uh when that when. The symbiote stuff started to get really the, diluted they, for me in the comics. We're running out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, essentially. And, and now, and then you had like, at this point, there was a planet of symbiotes, and now it's been retconned to all the symbiotes are part of a galactic hive mind that the king in black, mm-hmm. Null, the the embodiment of nothingness uh, commands, and Venom had to fight him and become Ooh, the, the hero of the universe. Dumb. And sounds it, dumb. It was... It was not as dumb as it sounds, but it was still a larger scale story than I like my Venom stories to be. Yeah. Although there was one, there was one uh, Venom story that uh, that who did Uh-oh, it? Oh, he's googling Adam Warren, something. Was that it? There was a story called Venom: The End, where uh, that uh, yeah, that Adam Warren wrote, where that where it takes it to the farthest level, where at a certain point, Venom is the only living thing left in the universe, and he uses the internal DNA library of all the symbiotes to recreate life. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's big enough that I'm like, this is crazy enough. It, it yeah, just yeah, might yeah. work. But, uh, but anyway, at this point in the comics, Venom was offered a place in the Avengers and Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk were like ogling him. And I was like, this is, I don't like this. I like, mm. I like Eddie Brock to be an outcast and a weirdo. I don't, I don't need him to be the hero of everybody. Anyway. Um, so, uh, they, Detective Mulligan's gonna become Toxin in, I guess, Venom 3, Let There Be Toxin. And now, Venom <laughs> is like, Venom the symbiote is like, I, I need to give myself up. And I was like, to who? The police? You're not a human. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand. And You're not bound Eddie by says human team- law. <laughs> yeah, he's like McCavity. He can break every human law. And uh, Eddie says, no, we're a team now. We're gonna be fugitives together. And they run off to a tropical beach because Venom earlier said he wanted to feel the sand in his toes and the wind in his hair. Yep. And they decide they're gonna travel around and be- go wherever lethal protectors are needed. End of movie, right? Wrong. Mm. Because, of course, there's a mid credit scene. There always is. Perhaps, I'm just gonna go out and say perhaps the most anticlimactic in retrospect uh, mid credit yes. scene in the history of, <laughs> of these was... movies. Where, oh my God. Where Venom, Venom is in his bungalow at this tropical resort and he and and uh, the symbiote is like, hey, your, your mind couldn't handle all the knowledge I have from the hive mind of 80 billion symbiotes. And he goes, try me. He goes, okay, I'll just give you a little bit of it. Suddenly, blip, they're in another universe. What happened? The symbiote's like, I didn't do this. They look on TV J. Jonah Jameson is revealing that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. They're in the Spider-Man universe now? Uh, and Venom is like, this guy. And he licks the TV screen where Spider-Man is, uh-oh, uh-oh, what kind of mayhem is going to happen now that Venom is in the world of Spider-Man, a character who in the comics he lives to kill, but in the movies he's never heard of and doesn't know who he is. And yeah, he I don't be know why he's for licking all he knows. the screen and saying this guy, but... Well, I, I can't wait. I can't wait until Spider-Man 
No Way Home, when we are revealed, it's revealed that Venom spent his whole time at that resort, got a drink, and then <laughs> flipped back to his I home universe, love never encountering Spider-Man <laughs> at all. <laughs> kind of love that. What a fucking lie. <laughs> and I remember when this movie came out, I heard about this, this credit scene, and they're talking about, yeah, yeah, we secretly scrambled at the last minute to shoot this scene without anybody really knowing so it could tie into the new Spider-Man movie. And it was like, why? Why bother? There's no reason. It's so pointless. It's so stupid. That's What's your theory? Part- why, the appeal, why, why did they think? I guess. I guess. Why did they think this would this would be exciting to anybody to find out when they finally watch No Way Home that Venom is in the Spider Man universe on a different, uh, in a different country, <laughs> just hanging, just out, hanging out at a beach. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes home. He can go home. <laughs> he can and does. Well, that movie also like it wasn't No Way Home because everybody went home at the end. Mm. Uh, the so that's and that's the end of Venom. So we're left with the promise of a sequel where Venom is a globe-trotting fugitive, just going around fighting crime. Yeah. Uh, and also the promise of a sequel where Venom fights Spider-Man, which hasn't happened and probably will never happen in yeah. these movies. Oh boy, let's uh, let's do our final judgments uh, before Stu has uh, a few more words. Uh, Ooh, I can't wait to hear more about the Max Fun Drive. Hashtag this, Max Fun Drive. Is this a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? A movie we kind of like? Um, Guys, I uh, I don't know. I, I I think it's. I thought it was bad. Ultimately, I there's elements in it like that came close to me enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I liked the a lot of the silliness. Time. I like, you know, uh, what's his face? Uh, Tom Hardy remains committed to this character, and uh, also uh, Michelle Williams and Doctor Dan are fun. But all of the shit with Carnage just bored me to tears it was all yes just the most like by the numbers and as you say elliot like old feeling like before they knew kind of how to do this sort of thing i guess i don't yes. know I, it I, feels like any any 80s or early 90s movie where there's, there's a serial killer someone's out to get them the serial killer isn't yeah. really a person so much as he's like a gimmick and it just happens exactly the way you think it's going to happen. There's right. no, like, I've gotten so used to movies where the bad guy gets captured on purpose and escapes, or the bad guy, you think the plan is one thing and it turns out to be another, or it's revealed that they're brothers or something like that. So, and it was almost almost refreshing that there were no twists whatsoever in this yeah. movie, that it was like, this movie, you, it goes A, B, C, D, E, and that's the movie. No, we're not going to Z, we're not going to H. There's, yeah. it's, but it's There are plot threads anyway. that seem like they could lead somewhere. Nope. No, no time. No point. They um, do not. Hey, guess what? We got this. We Carnage, we were going to introduce him in the first movie. We thought, no, let's hold him till the second movie to really make the most of him. Second movie came around. Are we going to make the most of him? No. Why bother? Let's just put, we should have put him in the first one. Yeah, so, I mean, if you have affection for Venom, if you have affection for the first movie, like, I'm not saying that this will be a total waste of your time. You'll probably get some kicks out of certain parts of it, but but overall, I, within our <laughs> strictures, I'll call it bad. Stu, what do you say? Yeah, I'm going to call it— Oh, Ali, you gonna, go. Oh, I'll say, I'll let Stu go. Stu, go, you, you go next. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably a bad bad. It's nice and short, and I like the, the rave scene. That was great. Um, but yeah, there's just not much there. Um— yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's not it's not like offensively bad, except for the fact that there's just like, and this is kind of because uh, I'm a dad, I guess, but there's so much unnecessary vulgarity, like not funny vulgarity, but just like people calling each other asshole or saying and or saying like shit for no reason. It's not it's not, and vulgarity can be very funny. I mean, when he says "fuck Thanks. this guy" at the end, it's kind of funny, but uh, but the uh, it's just it's like a bad bad movie, but it's not like 
ugh, avoid at all costs. It's like it's for Venom completists only. If you really yeah. like the first one, you'll probably like this one because it's kind of the same movie. And it's just there's part of me that is disappointed as a fan of the character that they're just not making the most of the potential of yep. this character as an interesting character. Like when you come down to it, he is a former reporter who is wearing an, who's wearing an alien and the alien can turn him into a monster that has big jagged teeth and a long tongue and has Spider-Man's powers. And they don't really do that much with it. I mean, the fact, I don't know that I've seen too many movies where people wear aliens. And that's something that mm, I feel like true. the movie has, the characters have already gotten over. And they, but again, like this one and the first one, they both had Anne wear the costume for a short amount of time. And the, in those moments, the movie seemed so much cooler yeah. than in the rest of it. And I like Tom Hardy a lot. I'm a big fan of Tom Hardy. And I think he's the one person in the movie who seems to care about what he's doing in the movie. He really likes this character and wants to do more of it. So Tom, like, do more with it. Come on, play yeah, it up. Let's find, let's come up with a real good story next find, time. Find, yeah, find a, a better screenwriter next time maybe <laughs> to work with. The, <laughs> just do it. Ouch. The just do it. Better. Yeah, just do it better this next time. <laughs> take take that, Kelly Marcel, co-writer of Saving Mr. Banks and wow. the writer of Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie. Wow. wow. <laughs> You're not making me feel bad yeah, that's about true. my assessment. Mm, perhaps know. you'll feel better when you find out she co-wrote the story to Cruella. Oh. Okay, I did like Cruella. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that the was story part and of it. Hopefully the part that where, was, that, where her mom gets killed by Dalmatians. <laughs> That. Yeah, and that she. <laughs> Does you, that happen in Cruella? Yes. I haven't seen the movie. No, yes. it, it, it that's a, like it's a it became a meme. It is a it is it is a uh, what's it what's it called? A dream it, sequence? No, no, no. It's a it's a fake out. Like it's a it's a it's a fake out and a joke in the movie. But Explain. it was taken out. I don't want to see the movie. Explain it to me. No, they they Cruella the character thinks that this is what happens. But it's not. Oh, I see. What happens? And uh, I think that it's kind of a joke on movie um, motivations that then was taken out of context mm-hmm. and the internet made fun of. Yeah, great costumes. I see. Wonderful needle drops. It's a movie. Hey guys, we did I it. I see. We made it to the end of another Max Fun Drive, and I would like to take this time to thank all of our supporters. You know, podcasts are kind of a funny thing. Uh, they could be something you leave <laughs> you on. Right the, then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, they can be something you leave on in the background while you go about your day or to put on when you need to go to sleep or to keep you company when you want to hear a familiar voice. There's a little bit of a like a one-sided quality to podcasts where you're listening to a conversation that you aren't entirely a part of. I'm part of it. But that's kind of... Yeah, well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's... That's what makes them- I'm loving that Dan is, is MSC3K in your, your, <laughs> yeah, yeah. your drive read. Just dogging me out, baby. Uh, keep me on my toes. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes the moments of audience interaction like me with Dan. Uh, that's what makes those moments so special <laughs> Dan, to me. The, the audience, audience member of this show. Yeah. I love that Dan has recast himself <laughs> as the audience member of the show, which frankly makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It's, this is like Memento or The Sixth Sense. If you go back and listen to every episode of the show and you realize Dan is an audience member, I'm it surrogate. all makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's what makes these moments so special to me. Uh, as the most accessible of the peaches, Mm. uh, it's a joyful part of my life to get to meet and chat with so many of you at our live shows or at my bars or even online in my DMs. But, you know, respectfully, uh, (laughs) it makes me incredibly proud that we produce a show that makes listeners feel comfortable to reach out to us hosts to share moments of success, moments of personal tragedy, 
or even something as simple as obscure horror movie recommendations or a well-chosen flame emoji for one of my workout videos. It really highlights to me. I don't know if it's well. well I mean, there's only a limited number of emojis. Are they going to do <laughs> yeah, the party yeah. Yeah, explosion yeah. Keep one? Keep fact-checking. How many Pinocchios <laughs> does he get for that one? <laughs> Just one. Thank you. <laughs> so all this really highlights to me that while the flop house is important to me, I think it's also important to you too. So please head over to MaximumFun.org slash join and support us. So again, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know what we do next is we, we answer some letters uh, from listeners. Speaking of interacting with uh, listeners, and this first one is from Kate, last name withheld, and Kate writes, a question popped into my mind yesterday morning when listening. Have you ever made a recommendation for a film that you later regretted or realized wasn't as good as you thought upon a second viewing? Thank you again for all that you do. I love Elliot. <laughs> wow, could have omitted that part. Well, no, I, I, I don't think so. I'm yes, just read it a few more times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I, w I would say that you could probably go back uh, on my recommendations, and anytime I tell you that I watched it on a plane, you can just assume that that's the place you should probably also watch it, and that on the ground you Expensive may not ticket. enjoy it as much. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying that you should buy a ticket just to just to watch these movies. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if, if that's if, why when I recommend movies, uh, it seems expensive when you're only going to be needing the edge of your seat, but you're paying for a whole seat. Right, right, right. <laughs> Inefficient and paying use of so seat. much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any that offhand? I mean, I don't. I mean, I've definitely recommend movies that later on uh, I've become, you know, like I've like I've recommended S. Craig Zoller movies before. And mm. we all kind of know that he's not a cool dude. Um but yeah. he makes very violent movies, so uh, so there's that. I mean, I feel that like there's a lot of things that I like to qualify. Uh, but I'm I also like to think that over time, listeners have learned that a lot of the things I recommend are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have learned. I was going through my recommendations on uh, for each episode on the Flophouse Recommendations website, a fan created and run endeavor that is very helpful to Amazing. me all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and the I was surprised that early on I recommended the movie Frost Nixon. It surprised me because like in retrospect, I think that movie is fine, but yeah. just so-so. Yeah, that's fair. And apparently I recommended it in the same episode that I recommended The Fall, a movie that I love, even though at times that yes. movie is almost embarrassingly sincere and overwrought. But uh -huh. I love that movie so much. And so it just surprised me like, oh, I had a movie that I love and I still love uh, on there – why did I recommend this other movie? And so I was going through all of them and I occasionally found movies that were foreign movies and I didn't – or old movies where I didn't really remember them that well. And I was like, oh, I recommended this movie. I must have liked it a lot, but I don't really remember it particularly. And that was a strange experience. Um, it's funny that you bring up you – know, it's funny that thing you bring up about The Fall being uh, almost embarrassingly overwrought and sincere because I feel like movies like that will either be – like you will either love it or you will not like it at all. Like it'll be, it'll cringe yes. you to death. Like something like, I feel like on some level, everything everywhere all at once kind of walks that line where it's like, this is an incredibly sincere movie at times. And if you don't vibe with that wavelength, it is, it is going to bum you out. I think a, a little bit, I think the difference might be that, uh, so I put the fall in the category as the same movies like the fountain. 
which when I saw it, I was in the exact right place to see it. I was falling in love with my now wife, and we went to go see it, and it's a movie about a man falling who loves a woman so much that he's trying to end death so that they can be together forever. And that is a, that is like, and I and I really liked it at the time. I haven't watched it since, but that is an embarrassingly kind of like over overwrought emotional emotionally movie. Uh, and there are things in it that don't quite make sense with every everything everywhere. I feel like it's kind of like that, except the movie is a little less personal. I feel like the fall and the fountain. The difference to me is they feel so personal to the filmmaker. And everything, everywhere, all at once, it feels, it's, the emotions are really strong, I love, which I loved. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it, and I was crying at the end of it, just like everybody sees it. It did not, but it didn't feel the same way to me that it was like someone saying, this is how I feel, and I don't know that anyone else in the world feels this way, or will even like this. Instead, it felt like, this is how everyone feels at some point in their lives, and I connect to you on, that we've all felt this way. At least that's what I got from it. You I, know? Yeah. Whereas with The Fountain, it's like, this is how I feel about Rachel Weisz right now. And Uh if you don't feel the same way as me, you're not going to like this movie. I see what you're saying to some degree in terms of like how specific, but like, I I assume that it draws on a lot of Daniel Kwan, like family immigrant experience stuff. But I think there's a difference between like an autobiographical movie that way and Mm. and a personal movie, a movie where it's like, you're not, you're trying less to, I mean, there's also like, Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's a great movie. It's got a lot of great kung fu fighting scenes and action and things like that. Like, it's still delivering the things that a mainstream movie audience wants. Even though it's got a lot of silly, crazy ideas in it, it's delivering a lot of what makes a modern movie. Whereas something like The Fall or The Fountain, like, at times they're actively not delivering what a normal movie would deliver. Like, or they're just interested in doing a different thing that's... There's just... I I feel like it's... um, It gets up to that point, but it's not quite all the way there. Okay. Um... But I could be wrong about that. Again, it's it's just my opinion. But anyway, I would also say, but outside of the Flophouse podcast, like there are many years where I uh, recommended the movie Manhattan and I was like, if you ignore the plot with Woody Allen in it, and <laughs> then there's a lot of really good stuff in that movie. But now it just feels like it's kind of hard to ignore that yeah, part of the plot. Yeah. And it's hard to recommend a Woody Allen movie. There's, yeah. I still think there are, he's he's someone who like, I'll you never still find a way to having, do it though. Well, I'll, I'll, never, stop, I'll never stop having like a... Um, an admiration for much of his work, but it's yeah, obviously I, I wish I could have me like mm, at least maybe recommend a different one of his movies because that's yeah. one of the most problematic ones, you know. Yeah. Uh. So this second and final letter is uh is from Willie last name withheld and the subject Loman. is should I should I drive my car against a wall for the insurance money for my family? No, keep being a salesman, Willie. Your family loves you more than the money. Mm-hmm. The subject is Rob Riggle. Spoiler alert for the death of a salesman. <laughs> the subject heading is Rob Rob Riggle re Topeka, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Dearest oh, okay. floppers, I wanted to thank all three of you, but especially Elliot, for highlighting the talents of former Kansan of the Year Rob Riggle as published in the Topeka Capital Journal in 2008. While Rob Riggle hails from Overland Park, Kansas, I thought his mention would be a good opportunity to highlight some of the many celebrities and luminaries who once called Topeka, Kansas home. One, oh, we're finally back on, on point for this podcast. Yeah, yeah it took a little while. One, Annette Benning, parentheses, Death on the Nile, 2022. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's her main credit. <laughs> <Yeah>. Two, <laughs> Lois Smith, Tony Award-winning actress, True Blood. Three, Gwendolyn Brooks, U.S. Poet Laureate and the first African-American to win a Pulitzer Prize. Four, Max Yoho, parentheses, cool name. Five, <laughs> Kansas, parentheses, band. 
Six, Ronald Evans, one of 12 people to have flown to the moon without landing on it. Seven, <laughs> Brown. So it's kind of, it's an achievement, but it's not the biggest achievement you yeah. can have. Yeah. Seven, Brown versus Board of Education, parentheses, civil rights. Eight, not a person, but yeah. still very important. Yeah. Eight. Pat, I mean, that was, I mean, I mean, Kansas was in the wrong in that one, but you know. Sure. Well, I don't think that's, uh, they're just, these are just luminaries of some kind or another, whether uh, eight, Pat Roberts, U.S. Senator, parentheses, shitbag. Okay. Yep. <laughs> nine, okay. nine, Fred Phelps. Uh, I assume that the shitbag is, is missing here as well. Uh, Oof, yeah. Dr. Phil also lives lived uh, in Topeka for a short time. Okay, I, shitbag number three. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying this high-quality, well-researched information. <laughs> I will continue to send Dan Topeka updates, whether he reads them on the podcast or not. Okay, if you're well. ever interested in having a live recording of the Flophouse in Topeka, I know of several empty buildings that would love to have you. Keep on flopping in the free world. So really last name with that's help. a perfect venue for the flop. Yeah, just an empty building. We shouldn't even advertise it. Someone has to stumble nope. on it. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's what makes it yep. cool. There's no sign. And then at the end, we mm -hmm. all climb up into a chandelier and fly off into outer space. Mm -hmm. to have okay, layer. guys. So this is something that this is hot off the presses. This is something that Jenny Jaffe texted me earlier today. Uh -huh. yeah. The heavy side, the heavy side layer is a real layer of the atmosphere, and it is not a safe place for cats. To to be no <laughs> so those cats they are being sent to their death you know yeah. the heavy side layer is a real thing cat disposal sort yeah of i would system. i i guess yeah. i guess when I, I i would like to see a breakdown of all the different layers of the atmosphere and whether they are or are not safe for cats yeah yeah <sighs> yeah it's, it's technically called the kennelly heavy side layer uh mm. or sometimes called that and it's also known as the e region oh so it's my region yeah Anyway, don't send your cats there. Uh, so, Dan, I think we should do a show in Topeka. At this point, I think we have to. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's questionable about whether... Uh, I don't know how much audience there is. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we'll, we'll probably lose money on it. Yeah. <laughs> They'll probably all bring tomatoes, you know, cabbages uh, to throw. I, I kind of want to do it as one of those stunts where, like, we do a show at, in, like, a community center for the elderly. Like, it's not for our regular audience, and it's... Or, like... Um, like if there's a prison in the area that we could do a show at, you yeah. know, something like that. I <laughs> I rewatched. Uh, speaking of me having things thrown at you, I rewatched re um, uh, Batman Returns uh, recently. They had a, a rep screening of it at the Nighthawk Prospect Park. That uh, and I, mm -hmm. I, it only increased my love of the movie. But there was a part in it that I totally forgot where. Uh, the audience, you know, turns on the penguin on a dime, starts throwing tomatoes and cabbages at him. And, <laughs> and you know, up until that point, you know, they had been on board. And so the question lingers in the air. Why are there uh, vegetables already there to be thrown? And then the penguin <laughs> says outright, why does someone always bring vegetables to these speeches? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is a good joke. Um, let's move on to the final segment now that Stuart has returned and cracked open another Waterloo mm, another Sparkling Water Black Cherry Flavor. <laughs> so we said no ads. Not a sponsor, but if you want to, you know, just give us a little kickback, wet our beaks. Uh, yeah, with, you know, send with us bubbly send, waters. Send, yeah, send uh, pay us in sparkling water. Stuart will drink it. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, <laughs> do not, but I should mention, if, you, if for any Orthodox Jews listening, don't dip your payas in in sparkling water. I know mm-hmm. Dan just said payas in sparkling water. He meant they should pay us in the form mm-hmm. of sparkling water. Not that you should take it's your payas, your side curls, and dip them in sparkling water. It's not going to. It's just going to ruin the sparkling water. No one wants hair in their water. Yeah, I mean, it could clean. I mean, I, I understand that seltzer is, has cleaning properties. Maybe it's a... You wouldn't dip your hair in seltzer to clean it, though, right? <laughs> you wouldn't steal a DVD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, do our uh, movie recommendations. Movies that might be a better use of your time than uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Oh uh, yeah. For a second, for a second, it sounded like you said Venom, Leather Be Carnage. Leather Be like, Carnage. Leather, Leather Be Carnage. That's a cool metal album title. Oh yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming Dan has seen like 400 movies since the last recording. Uh, what are you going to recommend? I've seen a lot, uh, but I'm going to recommend a movie called. It's a new movie. I saw it at the Quad Cinema uh, here in mm, beautiful oh, the old Quad Cinema, New York, and it's called We're All Going to the World's Fair. Uh, it's marketed as a horror movie and I don't want to say too much about it because I think that it plays with expectations well but it's a it's a movie that I think there's so many horror films thrillers psychological thrillers like that don't seem to understand the internet which is weird since we've been living with it so long now like movies that try and capitalize on it as a, a fearful thing usually get so much wrong uh, but, You're saying I should stop. I should end my membership to D. Snyder's Strangeland. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. You shouldn't visit fear.com. But this, <laughs> oh man, movie really. But seems, what about fear.org? <laughs> this movie really seems to understand the way the internet is breaking our brains in bad ways. Uh, I'll just give you sort of like the broad outlines. The main character um, is Casey. Uh, she is, uh, in, she is doing the, we're, uh, I'm going to the world's fair challenge, uh, which is sort of this vaguely defined internet creepypasta challenge where something bad will happen to you if you do these things, uh, you know, like a, it's a, a new urban legend. Uh, and the movie has a lot of ambiguity about sort of why various things are happening, what different people's motivation. I mean, there's really only two characters, but what their motivations are, how seriously they're taking any of it. It's a movie that kind of like shows the difference between bad and good ambiguity in movies. Like I think a lot of movies that do it poorly do it by artificially holding back information. Whereas this movie presents a lot of information, but there are a lot of sort of plausible character motivations for what's going on that you have to sort of sift through in your own brain. And I think that oftentimes that's the good kind of ambiguity where you're, you're sort of trying to puzzle out people's thoughts and motivations based on what you're seeing. Uh, and it, it's, you know, it's an upsetting movie. It's a sad movie in certain ways. It's a movie that is told largely through, you know, like YouTube videos and Skype calls and stuff like that. But I liked the way that it didn't feel beholden to that. It's not fully found footage. It's a movie that's like, we'll tell the movie sort of 70% in this found footage way. But when we feel the need to step outside of that, to just show you stuff that's going on in these characters' lives, 
we will, and it's all the better for it. Um, and also, there's uh, the director of this uh, film is trans. I don't know their pronouns, so I'll just use they. But um, from doing some readings on it, there are some trans readings of the film that are very interesting that I, you know, as a cis man, you know, while watching it, were not was not you know equipped to sort of understand and like you can enjoy it without that level but it also added kind of an interesting level reading about it afterwards um but it's 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 a very interesting movie kind of a movie that i think will be ripped off uh by much worse films in the future but this one's very good yeah i want to see it uh i'm gonna recommend a movie that i got to go and see this week I caught a screening of The North Man, uh, the latest Robert Eggers movie. Um, it is a movie that I admire quite a bit. I don't know if I love it, but I liked it. And uh, it is a very straightforward uh, tale of Viking revenge. Um, it's still a Robert Eggers movie, so it goes in some interesting directions. And there's uh, there's enough like, I feel like there's enough like, details in the in the corners of the movie to make it really exciting uh there's some fun performances uh bjork anya taylor joy and uh, of course alexander skarsgård who is doing some of the most acting with his trap muscles i've ever seen somebody do like it feels like he literally was just given a frazetta painting as uh direction <laughs> and it's like how to hunch <laughs> over and look like you're uh like a triangle man uh, it did make me want to go work out, which I did. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's violent. Um, it kind of feels like Robert Eggers, like making a play at making a straightforward, like, like historical blockbustery type movie. Um, I don't know how well it succeeds, but, uh, I liked it quite a bit. So check it out. The North man. And I'm going to recommend a movie you can't see in theaters right now, unless it's a revival house. That's right. It's an old movie. I'm going to recommend An American Tragedy from 1931. This is a Joseph von Sternberg movie uh, based on the novel by Theodore Dreiser. And for fans out there of the novel, which is an amazing book, uh, this movie handles the subject matter a little differently. The book is very much about um, issues of capitalism and religion. And instead, the movie is very much more about um, kind of like sexual hypocrisy, you know, men being able to kind of cast away women uh, and women not having the freedom to do that, uh, but that the rich have more, they can do that more than the poor. Anyway, it go, there's there's some class stuff in there. But anyway, uh, it's the story of a young man who comes from a poor background. He falls in love with a woman that he works with in a factory and then gets the eye of a richer woman. Uh, but at that point, he's already impregnated the poor woman, and he decides he has to figure out a way to get rid of her so that he can marry this, uh, this rich woman before she loses interest in him. And there's a sort of, uh, neurotic anxiety that kind of hovers around the whole movie. Uh, and, uh, it's very, it makes, makes you, makes me feel very unsettled, uncomfortable in a way that I liked a lot. And just feel, it's a pre-code, uh, Hollywood movie. So it just means that it is much more frank in the way it talks about certain things than, uh, than movies a few years later would be. And I really liked it, especially because it's got Sylvia Sidney in it. I love Sylvia Sidney and she plays the factory girl, uh, and is really fantastic in it. So that's, an American tragedy rated 
probably like PG-13 now yeah. maybe, but it, yeah. at the time it would have been kind of R, but The scene where they're surfing like on top of vans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. Uh, so that's three recommendations. Three we did it, guys. Recommendations, guys. Three recommendations. <laughs> Great, good stuff. Perfect, that's guys. From the twelve nights of recommendations. Mm. In a world increasingly controlled by billionaires, where creators are pushed further into the margins in order to make a living, it is amazing that we're able to make a show directly supported by you. Now, Ellie and Dan are more versed in working in the world of entertainment, but being able to make a living in a creative field without massive corporate oversight feels like a luxury to me. And you made that happen for us. That's right. No gods, no masters, just peaches. So we'll be posting <laughs> the results of our Max Fun Drive goals on Monday. But again, if we hit, oh, wait, I have it right here. If we hit 1,900 new and upgrading uh, members, we will raffle off a whole bunch of cool stuff, including signed Maniac of New York books, uh, Hinterland swag, Dan drawings, all kinds of great stuff. If we hit uh, 2,300, we will be doing a commentary track for That's Right, The Country Bears, Dan's favorite movie. And if we hit 3,500, <laughs> uh, we'll be doing quarterly movie audio commentaries. Maybe even that food fight commentary that everybody's gagging for. Stewart's favorite movie. My favorite movie. Uh, so, at this point, I am assuming I have finally swayed you. You should head over to MaximumFun.org slash join and support this silly little show today. Yay. Well said. Thank you. Well, that's it. We did it. Max Fun Drive and the Venom duology. Uh huh. <laughs> Put them in the history. Will, there, will there be a third one? Maybe. Probably. They're trying to. <laughs> they're they're, they're probably not. I guess. <laughs> they're planning one. I, it'll be called what? Venom goes bananas. Mm. <laughs> Ven yeah. Venom, Venom and goes Monte to Carlo. Mark. Yeah. That. That, Venom and Monte Carlo is actually pretty good. I like that. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know. Uh, we've done a lot of talking, so I won't go through the whole spiel. I'll just say thank you to our producer, Alex Smith. You can find him at Howell Dottie on Twitter. Uh, it's a, it's a word that you'll figure out how to spell. But, yeah, I trust you. Um, for now, for the Flophouse, mm -hmm. I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And this is Elliot Kalin saying thank you for your support, this Max Fun Drive, and thank you for your support all year round. We really, 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 really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. What is the number that comes after one? It's the loneliest number except for one, two, the two. Yeah, that's the problem I have with this, the one is the loneliest number because the, cause, like, the wow. lyric was like two. Buckle up. It's just as bad as one. It's the loneliest number, the number one. I'm like, you're full of contradictions. Stop lyrics. trying to get a threesome going, buddy. <laughs> yeah. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.